You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Let's just take our Bibles tonight. I want you to go to Proverbs 7. Love that song. Thank you so much for that. Proverbs chapter number 7 in your Bibles tonight. Wasted a lot of breath on things that weren't important, you know. And uh, love that song. Thank you so much for that. Proverbs chapter 7. And I told you this morning that I was going to probably preach the message that I was going to preach this morning tonight. Well, that's not true at all, okay? That message the Lord has just kind of just put on the shelf for now. So I have no idea when that message is coming, all right? But uh, it'll, it'll, it'll show up eventually. And so I'm not sure what else the Lord wants to teach me about it. But uh, when you don't want to fight the Lord on a message, you know, well, I'm going to preach this, Lord. No, you don't want to do that. You want it to, you know, and this morning's message was something that just was, came to me so quickly. The Lord just gave, I felt like the Lord just gave me that. And uh, I, I felt like it was well received and, and it was uh, a conviction to me. And so when you're preparing messages, that's kind of what you want, right? You want to know that it's what God wants you to speak on. And uh, so the other message, it's about the feeding of the 5,000. And so whenever I preach it, could be a year from now, you just remember that that was the message that Pastor almost preached on October 2nd, okay? Proverbs chapter 7, and I want to look at verses uh, 1 through 8 here, and I've kind of been doing an, an unofficial series in Proverbs, and I want to show you really to, to remind you of what's happening in the passage, but then just to show like one, one little key phrase at the end and just give you some quick thoughts tonight, That and I'm really hoping, since I've got several of these thoughts tonight, that uh, it, it, there will be some truth that you're able to take and just be an encouragement and stick with you this week. I call it portable truth. Truth you can just take with you out of church and use this week. And so uh, that's my prayer tonight, that something said this evening would just stick with you this week and be a help to you. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law is the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger with flattereth with her words. Of course, he's talking here to his son, saying uh, that uh, to be wise so that you don't go with the strange woman. What he's saying, the strange woman is a woman other than his wife. And he's saying, don't, don't, uh, don't be an adulterer. Don't be into that sin, that lifestyle. Verse 6, for at the window of my house... I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youth, say, a young man void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. And you, you probably are familiar with a little bit of the story. This, this lady convinces him to be immoral with her. And if you jump down to verse 21, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. 
Now, I read, I read this, you know, you've probably read it many times as well. But as I went through this, a, just three words kind of stuck out to me about this passage. And I want you to look at verse number 23 again. It says, Till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. And really the phrase that jumped out to me as I read this was, was the phrase at the end, and knoweth not. Isn't that a weird thing to jump out to you? You know, like you would think, what's it talking about, the dark through his liver or this or that. But the phrase that got me was, and knoweth not. Because here's what's interesting to me about that, is that, you know, when this young man was going to be involved in this immoral lifestyle, how could he not know? that something bad was going to come from this. But, but what it's saying there is that he did not know that it's for his life, that it was something that was going to produce devastating consequences for the rest of his life. And, you know, I started thinking about all the sins that we get involved in and we don't really even realize or know where it's headed, where it's leading. And, and so sometimes we can be involved in something and, and not know where it's going. You know, we, we live in a world that thinks they've got it all figured out. You know, we, we live in a world that, that thinks they have so much knowledge about things. They, they think our world thinks they know how the universe exploded into existence, which can never be replicated or even, you know, proved. But uh, they, they think they've got that down, how the world exploded into existence. They, they know that to be true in their minds. We, we have, uh, uh, you know, the, the world that, that teaches, they, they know that man came from some primordial ooze, and all of a sudden, somehow, they develop not only a respiratory system, but a, a nervous system and everything all at once. And it just goes on to what people know and are so certain of, but it just goes to show that we don't really have as much knowledge as we think. Uh, our world thinks they know what happens when we die. They think they, that it, they know that, that uh, when they die that it's just going to be death. Or, or maybe even the denial of God leads to them to believe in reincarnation or whatever it may be. All the things that we think we know. But can I tell us tonight together as a group of Christians uh, gathered together believers that there's a lot of stuff we don't know either. There's a lot of stuff. God is remarkably silent on some issues in Scripture. He's remarkably silent on heaven. On, you know, and you, well, there's a lot about heaven. There is a lot about heaven, but there's a whole lot that's not about heaven. There is some mystery regarding prayer. There's some mystery regarding the working of the Spirit. There's a lot of things that we don't get a glimpse into the spiritual world. The Bible's pretty tight-lipped about the spiritual warfare that goes on around us, too. But even amongst those things, aside from those things, I should say, there's a lot more that we don't know. And I want to preach a message tonight on what you don't know. What you don't know. Now, if you're a humble person, you're probably tonight, well, pastor, what I don't know could fill SoFi Stadium in L.A. Well, it actually could probably fill more than that. There's a lot we don't know. There's so much that we think we know, but if you, if you look at people today, as you pass them and as you work with them, they are operating on very little truth. Most people are believing lies. and There are so many things that we don't know, and we cannot even begin to understand. There's a passage in the book of Isaiah where God is rebuking Israel for their idolatry and moves on to Babylon, but he even told the, the people of Israel that he was creating something and doing something brand new that wasn't in there, uh, in, there in the beginning just to show them that they don't know everything. You know, just so that they could not say, we already knew that, our idol told us that. 
And so, so God, call unto me and I will answer and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So there's, there's a ton of stuff that you don't know. Now, there are some things you don't know that you could know. But there are some things you don't know that you will never know either. Does that make sense there? Okay. All right. Uh, so I want to just speak for a little bit on this topic of what you don't know. I think it's very easy to admit that we don't know everything. But sometimes there's some things it's not so easy to admit. All the men in here, is it very easy to admit that you need direction sometimes? Yeah, not. What? Never has this happened. Now you got an iPhone, so you're better off, right? But, uh, but uh, you know, there, there's some things that are just not as easy to admit. I taught the teen boys today, and I, uh, one of, I was talking about, uh, you know, knowing what you believe. And I said, you know, ne- don't know what you don't know. That's important to know that what you don't know. To have the humility to realize I don't know everything, and I need to learn some things. Take your Bible, go to Ecclesiastes 8, the next book over. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, of course, written by the same guy, Solomon. And... Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter number 8, I'll tell you what you don't know, first of all, you don't know what time this message will be over, all right, okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4, Ecclesiastes 8, 4, the Bible says there, where the word of of a king is, there's power, and who may say unto him, what doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. So you can discern time and judgment because to every purpose there is time and judgment. Therefore, the misery of man is great upon him, for he knoweth not that which shall be. For who can tell him when it shall be? There, there is no uh, a man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death, and there is no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. Uh, so uh, verse 7, how, how can we know what, what will be? So, and there's nobody that knows either, aside from God, that knows what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, so there are many things we don't know. Look at chapter 9, just the next chapter over there, verse 10. Chapter 9, verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. That's a great verse. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where thou goest. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net. You know, the fish doesn't know when it's about to get taken up. And as the, uh, the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. There, there's just so much that we don't know. We don't know what happens tomorrow. There, there, there's a lot. But I want to give you some things today, uh, that just quickly, that, that I, I hope one or two of them will stick with you, be an encouragement to you, give you something to think about biblically this week. Number one, I want to say, well, I, I didn't pray yet. I don't, did I pray? I don't think I prayed. Let's pray. Father, we need your help today. And we pray for it. We pray for your presence. We pray for your power. We pray, God, that you'd stir us up for some truth of your word today. And help us to see some things in the, in the Bible and, and just to hear some things from you that, and from your word that, that, would, that would challenge us and stick with us this week. That would be an encouragement. Lord, some of these things uh, need, to, need to stick with us and, and help us to, to stay in the fight. Some of these things need to stick with us in the sense of we need to be considering these things every day of our life. So help us with this tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, here we go. What you don't know. First of all, you don't know who's watching you. The government is. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, you know, conspiracy theory. Uh, You don't know who's watching you. We can never really comprehend how many people are watching 
how closely they're watching and what they're receiving out of what they're seeing from our lives. That's a scary proposition. That's leadership is influence, and, and we have influence over a lot of people because they watch our lives. One dad said, I thought about quitting, but then I noticed who was watching me. His kids was wa were watching him. I remember uh, going to Target one time with my family and shopping there, and I watched this little kid walking around the store just cussing up a storm. Probably six, seven years old. Walking around the store just, just swearing and cussing. And I was just thinking, you know, wonder where he heard that. You know, but, but he was watching somebody. He was, he was listening, taking the Lord's name in vain and, and all of this. He, he was watching somebody. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. I wonder how we're doing with, with being an example in those areas. It's because people are watching us. I tell our, our seniors in high school, can I tell you that, that people are watching you? Juniors and seniors, can I tell you parents that, that people are watching you, kids are watching you? Senior saints, you've been here longer than anybody else on this earth. People are watching you. Are you going to stick with it? Is it real? Will you end? Or will you finish right? As the pastor, people watch me. Our staff, uh, uh, people watch our staff. People watch our deacons. People watch you too. Just because you simply claim to be Christian, and I believe you are Christian, but, but uh, you are watched. And you never know how many eyes are watching you. Now, that's a little bit of a convicting thought. I have some encouraging thoughts coming, but, but I want to encourage you. That's why you can't quit. Because you don't know who's watching you. And you don't know who's thrown in the towel if you do. And you don't know who's encouraged by the fact that you didn't throw in the towel. And they're saying, boy, if they can stick with it, then I can stick with it too. That's why you can't give in. That's why you shouldn't miss church. That's why you can't miss your walk with God. That's why you should be soul winning. That's why you should be an example because people are watching you. People watch you in your home. People watch you at work. That sounds kind of creepy. You're always being watched. But, but people are watching. They're watching you at the store. They're, you are being watched. And I just wonder when people are looking at me, what are they seeing? I don't just want them to see a facade. I want them to see a, a, a real, true Christian, genuine. And so tonight, one thing we don't know is who's watching us. And I don't want to say secondly, you know what we don't know? You don't know the day of your death. These are random. I'm just going to tell you right now. This is a random Shotgun message, which just means it's, it's widespread, you know. You don't know the day of your death. You know, Hezekiah was given an incredible opportunity. God told him, I'm going to give you 15 more years. What would you, what would you do? I mean, I, I've thought about this many times. If God told me, Eli, I'm going to give you 15 more years. I wonder what I'd do. I, first of all, I think I'd be a little sad because I'd begin to think about my children and my wife who'd probably remarry the next week, but anyway. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, I, I begin to think about these sort of things, and I, I think, you know, there's a reason why God doesn't tell us, you, you know, there, but we don't know the day of our death. Mark Twain, okay, the famous, famous author, was born uh, the year of Halley's Comet, the, the, the year that Halley's Comet was visible. He was born in that year, and later on in his life, he said that the next time it came around, which is every 76 years, that he would go out with it. He said, yeah, he was born the year of Halley's Comet, and then he, so he said, the next time it comes around, I'm going out with it. So 76 years later, Halley's Comet comes around, and just a couple hours after showing up, he has a heart attack and dies. Mark Twain. 
Now, I don't think he knew that was going to happen, but it's kind of interesting, right? Now, what would you do? Would, you, would we use that time wisely or squander it? Now, I'm glad I don't know, and, and we, because we, we should be giving God our all every day as if he comes back today. As if it's our last day today, we should be living. That's why it's important to, to live that way, not, not to be morose or, or uh, you know, feeling like, you know, I'm going to die tomorrow. I'm not saying that, but we ought to live in a way that the, the, the sun doesn't go down upon our wrath, that we deal with things with people because we're not promised tomorrow. Boast not thyself tomorrow, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. What is our life is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanisheth away. We don't know when we're going to leave. And it's a good thing, but we ought to, because we don't know that, it should encourage us to give our lives to God every day. Give our best for God every day. Ecclesiastes 9, 12. For a man also knoweth not his time. We don't know. There's no guarantee that we'll make it till tomorrow. And it's just an amazing thing to think of all the people that pass away every single day and never expected it, never saw it coming, never knew. But hey, because of that, and, you know, and, and there's also, you, you think about, we don't know when we might hear a singular word that could throw us for a loop. I'm telling you, one word has the power to, to change our lives. The word cancer has the power to change lives, uh, you, you know, to, to alter life. The word accident, as in there's been an accident. You know, one phone call. The word degenerative. The word uh, condition. The word untreatable. The word inoperable. Those are scary words. And, but I want to say, you know, th there's power there to, to change our lives, to make us live a different way. But because we don't know the day of our death, I want to encourage you just to decide to live and serve God every day. Don't let a day, don't let a breath be wasted, as the Pentalion saying tonight. Don't waste another breath. Don't, don't waste another day being bitter against somebody. Don't waste another day not being right with your spouse. Don't waste another day when there's something between you and your kids that, that you need to say or that you need to say to your parents or parents need to say to their kids. Don't waste a day because you don't know. You don't know the last day on this earth for you. The day of you, you just don't know. So don't waste, don't waste a day away from God. Some of you in here today, you're away from God. Yeah, you're in church, but you're not as close to God as you should be, and you know it. I'm not here to pick on you, but you know it. We all get there. So what am I saying? Don't waste another day. What if God? What if you died tonight? And you're standing before God. Wouldn't you rather be right with him, serving him with all your heart in church when you see him? Boy, you don't know which opportunity to get right with God will be your last opportunity to get right with God. So you don't know that. Some people play with that. They don't expect it to happen. But you don't know the day of your death. You don't know who's watching. Can I say thirdly, you don't know how long your trial will last. I told you this is, we're, we're jumping topics here tonight, folks. But you don't know how long your trial will last. 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. I'm thinking of another passage there in 1 Peter. I'm going to just flip over there real quick. You don't need to. It talks about in verse, uh, 1 Peter 1, 7, that the trial of your faith, being more, much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Christ Jesus. There's many different, in the verse previous talks about the different types of temptations and trials that come your way. And, and we don't know that, we, we do know that there will be trials. 
And many of you are in a trial right now. Maybe you just entered into a trial. Maybe you've been in a trial for a long time. Maybe you're getting close to getting out. But trials, John Bishop, a preacher, used to say, trials come in seasons and they come for reasons. And God may have you in a trial right now. Some trials, don't mean to be discouraging, but some trials last a lifetime. Some things don't go away. A disease, an illness, a handicap, whatever it may be. Paul was given a thorn in the flesh. And he besought the Lord thrice it would depart from him. But it didn't. And sometimes these things come upon us, these trials that stay with us. Sometimes, but I want to encourage you with this as well, because you don't know how long your trial will last, it could be over tomorrow. It could be over tomorrow. Whatever you're going through, you say, oh, pastor, there's just no way. You don't know the trial. No, it really could. I have seen God do things, and I could just share testimony after testimony of something that I just thought, I just don't know how this is ever going to resolve itself. And then the next day, God just takes care of it. And you're like, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, because he's God. <laughs> he, he can do that. And so you don't know how long your trial will last. You don't know when God could tomorrow bring somebody in your life, be an encouragement, be a strength to you, whatever it may be. It could be over in a moment. God might just decide tomorrow to roll the clouds away for you. That's an encouraging thought to me. I was preaching, uh, I think I told this story before, but I was preaching one time for my father-in-law up in Napa, and I got on a plane and, and, and flew up there. And uh, while I was gone, we were living in the old apartments this many years ago, and uh, my, my two oldest kids were just got super sick while I was gone. And so, you know, Faith's there at, at the apartment with them, and I mean, I mean, these kids are just like continually just vomiting, you know, just like, she's like, I, I, I remember I, I got to the, uh, to the church, and I preached, and I was going to stay the night and fly back, and, and so I got there, and I was preaching, I preached that night, and I come back, and I call my wife on the phone, I'm like, hey, how'd your day go? <sighs> these kids have been throwing up for five hours, six hours, she's like, they, but they won't, they won't use the bucket, it's just like, blah, you know, it's just, you know how little kids, this wasn't like it was last year, it was a long time ago. Okay, if I tell the story? All right, they're fine with it. But, uh, and so they're just sick, and my wife's like, you know, so I've got towels everywhere, and they'll just get sick. And she said, so there's, there's a pile of clothes, and there's a pile of, of, uh, of, of towels, of just dirty, soiled towels from all the vomit. They've got some kind of horrible stomach bug, and I've been racing around, and I'm not feeling good, and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's been kind of a rough day. But how are you doing? And I was like, ah, I'm sitting in a bubble bath. Ah, it was a great service. And it was just like, I felt so bad. But you know what? The trial passed. You know, for one of us, you know, sometimes, you know, it's you. Sometimes life is you in the bubble bath, and sometimes life, you with the sick kids, you know, or you're the one sick throwing up and all of that. Life goes through these waves up and down. Have you ever stopped, though, to ask when you're in a trial, Lord, what are you teaching me? you teaching me in this trial and I will tell you I believe the sooner you learn what you're supposed to learn in a trial the sooner it ends it's always a good thing to go to God and say God I, what is it that you want me to learn from this trial and then just listen up and I would say this to everybody you know a preacher once said be kind to everybody because everybody's going through something 
And I believe that to be true. But you don't know. And because you don't know how long that trial will last, I want to encourage you to keep the faith. Don't give up. Keep the faith and don't give up. It's always too early to quit. You know, we sing, I'll just keep trusting my Lord. As I walk along, I'll just keep trusting my Lord. And he gives a song. Though the storm clouds darken the sky or the heavenly way, I'll just keep trusting my Lord. He will never fail. I think that's how it goes. I may have gotten it wrong. But when you go through trials the right way, let me just say this and I'll move on. When you do go through trials the right way, God gives you a voice. God, is, God is a, he, he's, he's a, gives you a megaphone through your trials. When you go through things the right way, God allows you to have a voice to help other people in a greater way. And they can relate to that when you say, I know what you're going through. I've been through it myself. So you don't know. You don't know the day of your death. You don't know uh, uh, how many people or who's watching you. You don't know how long your trial will last. Can I also say, you don't know what other people are thinking. You don't know what other people are thinking. Stop assuming that you have, like when you got saved, the spiritual gift God gave you was telepathy. You did not get that gift. You do not know what other people are thinking. I can just read people. Maybe you're not as good at it as, as you think you are. You know, there's some people that are unreadable. I work with people so much of my life, and there's some people I get them. Like, I, you know, and you know, kids are different too. You can kind of think, like, I know what this kid's feeling. I have no idea what's going on in this kid's heart. But you know what? When, you're, when you see people the same way, there are some people that you just can't read what they're thinking or what they're, you know, it's just say, tell me how you're feeling or whatever. We do not know what, we're th what other people are thinking. Husbands, whatever you think your wife is thinking, you're probably wrong. Wives, whatever you think that your husband is thinking, you're wrong because he's not thinking at all. My wife used to say things like, I, I know what you're thinking. And, I was, and I'd literally say, I, I don't think I was thinking. Like, I, I had nothing. There was nothing going on. No synapses, no, nothing up here. I was just lost in a box and happy, you know. And there, there's, there's just differences there. But there, you know what? You know what happens when we begin to think we know what other people are thinking? Then it comes to this. Then it comes to when God convicts you about salvation is, well, I don't want to go forward because what would people think? And you're doing other people's thinking for them. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a, I've been in church for this many years, and, if I, and if, I go, if I go forward on an invitation when pastor's preaching on sin, then everybody will think I'm a sinner. Shock. We will be shocked to find out that you're a sinner. But so many people do things because of what they think other people are thinking that they're not thinking. And we, we often do that. You do not know what other people are thinking. It, it, listen, it doesn't matter who it is. If one of the staff members walked down, if one of our deacons walked down and got saved tonight, we would all rejoice. There'd be no one like, how dare you get saved? You claim to be... The, no, we would rejoice. It's amazing. The, 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 the lies the devil tells us, no one loves me at this church. Well, they just think they're so spiritual, don't they? They think they're so much better than everybody else. Sounds like maybe if those thoughts in your mind, sounds like maybe you're the one with the thinking problem, trying to read the minds of other people and read the facial expressions. You know what we need to realize is that most people are not thinking about us at all. When you come to church, are you thinking about everyone else? 
Normally, if you walk in a church, you're thinking about the morning that you had, the struggle you've been through, what you faced, how you got there, maybe what God gave you that morning in your Bible. Oh, we're not coming in thinking about everyone else and, and you know, oh, I have thoughts about them, and I have thoughts about them. But some, for some reason, we're so self-absorbed that we think everybody else is thinking about us. And you don't know what other people are thinking. I want to encourage you with that. If you want to worry about who, uh, what somebody thinks about you, worry about what the Lord thinks about you. Let this mind be in you, it's also in Christ Jesus, okay? You don't know what other people are thinking. I've got two quick ones left. Number next. You don't know when the reaping season will come. You don't know when the reaping season will come. Now, here's the cool thing about this. Take your Bible, go to Galatians, if you would, Galatians chapter 6. The cool thing about this is that you can know that it will come. You can... You can you can bet on it. I wouldn't recommend that. That's probably not the right way of saying it. Some of you are like, I already did, Pastor, online gambling right now. But, uh, you know, you can rest assured that if you sow, you will reap. That's a great thing to know. That's a wonderful thing to know. But what you can't know is when that reaping season comes. And unfortunately, you can't choose it. There's some times in my life where I, I've literally even thought this week, God, I could use some reaping. <laughs> I could use some reaping. You know, going, looking through my list of teenagers that have been here through the years, and I'm like, Lord, I, I, tried, I tried so hard for, for 16 years to invest in these teenagers, and I could, I, could, I could use some reaping of teens coming back to God and coming back to church and all that, but I don't get to choose that. It's, it's kind of silly to even think. Look, at, if you would, at Galatians 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For if he, sow, uh, he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So you, you have to continue. You plant the seed, but, but God decides when the crop comes up. God decides when the harvest comes in your life. But you got to stay with it. You can't quit. Because if you get out of church, you'll, you'll miss the harvest. You won't see it. You get away from God and quit. You, you have to stick with it. I believe that you know, there, there are so many lost people in our lives, so many lost loved ones, and, and you never know when that lost loved one will come to Christ. You never know when that seed that you've been planting for weeks or months or years or decades, you never know when that seed could just take root all of a sudden. And it could produce a crop, and it could produce fruit. You, you never know when, when God will break through on your Sunday school class or, or the family that you've been praying for. You never know when revival may break out. It, it is always too early to quit. You don't know when the reaping will come. One of the most encouraging stories, I've, I've said this story about four or five times since I've become a pastor, but it's such an encouraging story to me. George Mueller of course, known for the orphanage in England and, and uh, just being a man of prayer and a man of faith. And he had just gotten saved, and he began praying for five of his friends to get saved. Began praying for five friends to get saved. Within 18 months, one of them did get saved. And then uh, uh, there was another one that got saved after five years of George uh, Mueller praying for him. Five years of prayer. <clears throat> this man got saved. After six more years... Now, a total of 12 years later, after six more years, another friend got saved. So now, after 12 years, three friends are saved. The fourth friend was saved right before Mueller's death. 
Before George Mueller died, years later, he got saved during George Mueller's last sermon. The fifth friend got saved eventually within one year of George Mueller's funeral, 52 years after George Mueller had begun praying for them. Can you imagine praying for 52 years for somebody to get saved? But he stuck with it. And you know what? He didn't get to see the fruit of the last friend from below, but he did get to see it from above. And you will see fruit. And you may not see all of the fruit here, but you will see it from above one day. I want to just encourage you. You don't know when the reaping season comes, but you have to keep sowing. And you have to stay with it because if you just quit and get out, you'll miss the reaping that you put in. Now, that's, to me, that's a challenging but yet encouraging thought. And I want to leave one more thought with you tonight, and we'll be done. We do have a baptism tonight. I want to get to that in a moment. But I want to leave you with one last thought. Lastly, you don't know when Jesus will come back. You don't know when the, the trump could sound in the next 10 seconds. And we're in heaven. It could be, and it'll be in the twinkling of an eye. And you don't know when it could be. It could be at any moment that Christ comes back. And maybe that will be how your trial ends. But also because you don't know when Jesus comes back. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you've never put your faith and trusted him to become your personal Savior, and that's something you've never done before, that's why the Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. You need to get saved today because you don't know when Christ comes back, your chance is gone. And so because of that, if you're unsaved, that's, that's something we need to take care of. But I, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, the rapture maybe if, if, if God, uh, if, if I'm still alive when that happens. You know, we sing the song, there's, there's coming a day. And at the end of the, the I forget the name of it, uh, the song right now, but what a, what a day, a wonderful day that will be. And Jesus is coming. He's coming back and it could be today. And you don't know when it is. The Bible says that only the Father knows when that day will be. And because of that, he says, occupy till he comes. Keep working. Keep your head down. Keep laboring for God. Keep pressing on for Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 and 18. And so shall we ever be with the Lord when Jesus comes back. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I wonder tonight if maybe there's just a thought out of these six thoughts that I gave you that that maybe you could just latch on to and take with you this week. Maybe you've been guilty of doing the thinking for other people. And you've been reading someone else's mind and saying, I know they believe this about me. I know they're thinking that. I'd encourage you not to do that. Not to do that at all. Maybe today the thought is, uh, you know, to, to, you've been considering giving up on something or giving up on someone. I want to encourage you. You don't know when the reaping will come. And it could come tomorrow. You don't know when your trial could be lifted up tomorrow. So just keep on keeping on for God. So because of the things we don't know, and we don't know everything, but God does. So let's trust the Lord. Father, I thank you tonight. For